upon uh, unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying behold the virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son and they shall call his name Emmanuel which being interpreted is God with us then Joseph being raised from sleep did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him and took unto him his wife and knew her not until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. It is the night. 
Amen. Won't you please be seated? That was gorgeous. Thank you, Kristen. She did. All right. Please uh, read the responsive reading with me, my brothers and sisters. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, my heart. In the council of the upright in the assembly, Great are the works of the Lord, they are pondered by all who delight in them. Glorious and majestic are his deeds, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works giving them the lands of other nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever, enacted in faithfulness and uprightness. He provided redemption for his people. He ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding to him belongs eternal praise. So, so Paul called Jesus the wisdom of God. And the sayings of Jesus Christ are the crown of biblical wisdom. That's from Zondervan. God sent his son to save us from ourselves and to give us hope. He could have just wiped us out, but the promise after Noah was that he would not take such actions again, and he sealed that with a rainbow. So the wise counselor came to earth to show us the way and to guide us on the path to everlasting life with the Father, the, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He provided us his Son because he loves us, and wants us to be with him forever. Isn't that wonderful? The fear of the Lord and wisdom. All deep wisdom springs from holy reverence in, for God. In scripture, wisdom is not mainly the human capacity to maneuver successfully in the world, but the godly character to maneuver rightly in diverse situations guided by God's truth. Thank you. Well, Merry Christmas. Thank you. Just because you were stationed in Hawaii for a while doesn't mean you can speak it here. I want to welcome uh, our guests. Uh, we have Melissa here and Dan from Tom's River Community Church, and we, we welcome you. Uh, so, so good to have you guys here on, on Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to ask a couple of uh, people who will come up and help with the offering, please. By the way, uh, just to recap a little bit, we, we designated the whole Christmas Eve offering to help uh, people who are in need. And uh, but because of your generosity, we've been able to help several uh, senior citizens and their families who are homeless. Um, point them in the right direction, if I can put them that way. So, so thank you. And uh, as the times get a little colder, there may be some more need. So last night's total offering goes for, for that ministry, and today's is our usual uh, giving of tithes and offerings. So let's pray. Father, as we talk about even the homeless, it's bitter cold out there. We just ask that in some way, somehow, they'd be able to make it to a shelter. They'd be able to get some food and, and essentials and that. Father, uh, at some point, they would be able to get jobs and shelters and just um, uh, bring them back to a good place where they need to be. Father, this is the celebration of the earthly birth of your son. And Father, if it were not for him, there would be no Christmas. 
If it were not for him, there would be no salvation. If it were not for him, there would be no hope. We celebrate the birth of our Savior, the Savior of the world. And Father, help us through the generosity of your people. Help us to proclaim this good news throughout this town, this county, this state, and the world. And we'll give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said? Amen. Amen. Thank you. You know, years ago, too long ago now, right after I graduated semin seminary the first time, um, I, uh, I really got, I, I was offered a real good job with Concurrent Computer up in Oceanport as their senior credit analyst. And um, I was with them for a short time until the f my first church called me uh, to minister to them. But it happened to be the uh, time during um, Operation Desert Storm. Do you remember that? Right? Operation Desert Storm. Now, we made high-end computers. We made the computers for the helicopters that went into battle. Uh, we, went, we made the computers for the stealth bomber. We made computers for all sorts of government issues. So when the war was declared, the whole complex went into shutdown and um, there were Secret Service, FBI, all. We weren't even allowed to go in parts of the building. But then when the war was over, we got notice that back then President Bush was going to come and visit us to, to congratulate us on a job well done because the factory operated seven days a week, 24 hours a day to make these computers. One of these computers was night vision for tanks. And... Uh, so the order went out, make sure everything's spick and spam. We could not have one piece of paper on our desk, right? Because the president's coming. The president's coming. Now, I never saw the floors and the carpets get vacuumed and washed as well as they did in preparation for the, for the president. The custodians were even polishing the doorknobs. It was amazing. And then when that was done, the Secret Service came through and, and made sure that everything was safe, and they actually set up perches on the roof for, for snipers in case there was an attack on the president. So here we are. We got everything spiffy. We're all in our best dress, right? Our, our desks are clean. Our desks were never clean. But you know, our, our desk was clean. We even had to make sure our garbage was empty. The cafeteria held about 1,200, 1,400 people back then. So we all gathered in the cafeteria waiting the president's arrival. And then we got a telegram that he was diverted. He never came. All that preparation, and he never came, but he did send a telegram of thanks. There's something about when dignitaries visit, we want everything right. Do you remember when Jesus uh, went to the house of Mary and Martha? Remember that, right? Um, you know, Mary was the one who wanted to sit at the feet of Jesus, nothing wrong with that, and Martha was the one who had to make everything right. We have this Jesus here. I mean, he's, he's a special guy. We have to make everything right. So she's cooking and cleaning and doing all the things, and there's Mary sitting at his feet. So Martha does what any uh, red-blooded sinner would do. 
she goes to she goes to Jesus and wants to lay a guilt trip on on Mary and says to Jesus, tell her to help me. She's just sitting there. And Jesus says, Martha, Martha, you're worried about so many things, but Mary has picked the more important. <laughs> what does that have to do with Christmas? It has a lot to do, to do with Christmas. Because when this baby came into the world, there was something special about him. He wasn't welcomed uh, to a place where the doorknobs were polished, the floors were clean. In fact, he was born into a animal stable, probably a cave. This is the king of heaven, the king of heaven being born into, in, into poverty. Mary and Joseph weren't rich by any uh, stretch of the imagination. They were just uh, a couple surviving to make ends meet. Sound familiar? And yet God cho chose Mary to give birth to the Son of God. So he's born in his manger. Now listen, wherever animals are, it stinks. True? I mean, there's no other way to say it. I mean, you know, it stinks. But the king is born among his creation. It's amazing. He wasn't born in a palace. He wasn't born, uh, you know, as, as a, a big show. He rode with his mom on a donkey while he was still unborn. It wasn't a Mercedes, it wasn't a bulletproof Cadillac, a donkey. And he comes into this world born into a mess. But that's why he came. That's exactly why he came. Because God knew we needed help. God knew that we inherited God's, uh, I'm sorry, Adam's nature of rebellion. And because of that, it put such a big abyss, if I can use that word, between us and God. Nothing we could ever do could bridge that gap. No amount of good works, nothing. But you see, long before, in fact, you see the first mention of it in Genesis 3. And then if you go to Ephesians 1, uh, Ephesians 1 is the meeting of the executive board, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And in that executive board, it said before the world was created, the Trinity agreed on the solution for man's sin. And his name was Jesus Christ. So I want to fast forward about 30 years. Because this has a lot to do with Christmas. By the way, this baby created a ruckus, right? When um, Herod found out that uh, he heard rumors that there was a possible king that was born. And, and the wise men came looking for, for him. And he panicked. You know why? He was self-centered, narcissistic, prideful. And he gives an order for all babies, two and under, to be killed, males, because of sin. Well, of course, God uh, intervenes at this point, and Mary and Joseph go to Egypt, and you know the rest of the story, but I want to go uh, to 30 years later. Because uh, I want to look at this nutty guy, all right? Because we would have said he was nutty. He was a nutty guy, and you'll understand why in a minute. This is from Matthew. Listen to this. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, repent for the kingdom of God has come near. This was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. 
a voice of one calling in the wilderness, a wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight his paths. Now, I need to give you some explanation there because uh, whenever a king was traveling from point A to point B, a team went ahead because they didn't have pavement like we have today, right? Uh, these roads had potholes and branches that grew, uh, that uh, roots, I should say, that grew across it. This team was to make that road as smooth as possible to prepare the way for the king. Well, Isaiah said that there's going to be a prophet like Elijah, by the way, who is going to come and prepare the way for the Lord. So what we're reading now is that the actual fulfillment of that prophecy, right? Prepare the way for the Lord. Only this preparation was different, right? Let's, let's look at the preparation. It says, John's clothes were made of camel hair. Can you imagine that? In the heat of the desert, wearing burlap, if you will, he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was not lasagna or pasta. His food was locust and wild honey. Even people of his day started to think he was nuts. Here's this guy in the desert wearing camel's hair. Probably had a rash all over his body. And he's eating locust and honey. Not a bad diet, by the way. I, you know, nutritionally, it's protein and sugar, right? Um, but, uh, you know, not a bad diet. But, you know, John the Baptist was the last of the Old Testament prophets. He was here preparing the way for the Savior, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And here's how the way was prepared. People went out from, uh, to him from Jerusalem and all of Judea and the whole region of Jordan confessing their sins. They were baptized in, in the Jordan River. So the message was very simple. Here's this guy. He's in the Jordan, and he's yelling, Repent, for the kingdom of God is near. Repent. Whoa. And people whose hearts were sensitive to the fact that God was up to something after 400 years of silence responded. And they came and they confessed their sins. You know, in, in, in our modern age and, and all, we have redefined what sin is. We've redefined it to fit our, our needs, right? Uh, and even in the church, there's things that are tolerated in the church that should never be. And listen, you want to know what sin is? Sin is anything that goes against the word of God. It's as simple as that. Uh, review the Ten Commandments and see how far you get. Go to 1 Corinthians uh, uh, 13, is it? The, uh, the uh, faith chapter. And see how far you get. Go to Galatians, the fruit of the Spirit, and see how far you get. I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm speaking, I'm putting myself in there, too. Because none of us can live up to the standard, the holy standard that God has set. And we need to repent of that. What does repentance mean? Does anybody want to take a shot at it? Yeah. Okay, good, Pat. Yeah, Pat gets a gold star. Uh, repentance, one of the elements of repentance is the desire to turn away from the sin, and we know it's sin because the Word of God tells us it's sin, right? And we turn to Christ, and we say, Lord, I need you. You died for my sin on the cross. I believe that. You went in my place, paid my penalty. Lord, help me not to repeat it. And you know, even as believers, we still sin, correct? 
But that's what confession is for. There also needs to be sincerity. Uh, in many scripture uh, verses, it says to people, show you the fruit of your repentance. What's, what does the fruit of repentance look like? Anybody? Yeah, a fruit, a fruit of, the fruit of repentance is simply a life that's in transformation and no longer, no longer doing what you used to do. That's the fruit of repentance. And it takes effort. It takes effort with us, and it takes the power of the Holy Spirit to do that, confessing their sins. One of the things that the evangelical church, I, I believe, um, is lacking in is that we don't emphasize confession enough. I know we do it with the Lord's Supper and all, but confession is vital. And it is vital because we're all sinners, saved by grace. And when we sin, even as believers, it breaks the fellowship between us and our Father. And so we need to confess. There are things I believe that the American church needs to repent of. I'm going to list a few. The neglect of reading and studying the Word of God. The neglect of prayer. The neglect of fellowship in the body of Christ. The neglect of embracing God's mission for us. We've abdicated a lot of those things to the pastor, but the Great Commission is given to the whole church. And you, we say, well, I'm not an evangelist. You don't have to be. You know what John was doing? He was saying, look, the Holy Spirit has revealed to me that the Messiah is on the scene. And I'm telling you people, and he told himself, that the way we get ready to receive the Messiah is to confess our sins. That's what makes the road ready. That's what makes the road ready. It's amazing. I, you know, I don't have time this morning to connect all the dots, but uh, Malachi, and Malachi says this. He says, See, I will send the prophet Elijah to you before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the parents to children and the hearts of the children to the parents, uh, or else I will come and strike the land with total devastation. So when people come to me and they say, uh, you know, you, you say we, we, we need to be saved. Well, yeah, you do. Because here's the bad news. We're all sinners. We're born that way. We're born rebels against God. And if we don't embrace the Savior, well, life after the grave is not going to be wonderful. It's going to be hell. I mean that literally. And hell is a place of isolation. I don't know if you realize that. It's not a place where your friends are. It's not a big party. It's a place of isolation. A place of what the scripture says, what Jesus says. Worship, uh, of um, weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's horrible, huh? Well, people responded to the call. I want you to see this. It says, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing... He said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming of wrath? You know who the, fa the Pharisees and the Sadducees were? They were the religious experts. They were the experts in legalistic religion. Least legalistic religion changes no one. In fact, all it does is feed the ego. If you remember Jesus telling the story of the, the publican, and the slave and the publicans up there praying and he says I thank God I'm not like this man and the slave says Lord have mercy on me 
And Jesus says, that man is justified. These are the guys that carry around the clipboards. And what, I'm, what I mean by that is, you carrying the right translation of the Bible? Okay, check that off. You wearing, you wearing the right clothes to church? Well, we'll check that off. Uh, are you, you're not raising your hands in worship, are you? I mean, you know, that's, we'll, we'll, we'll check that off, you know. And this is a legalistic religion that puts so much weight on other people, it's impossible to live up to. And what John's doing here, he's saying, you guys are a bunch of snakes. By your very influence, you're like a snake injecting venom into a person. Legalism always leads to spiritual death. Always. In another section, he calls them whitewashed. You know what whitewash is? Ever read Tom Sawyer? Right? They use whitewash to refresh like a fence or even bricks sometimes. And it, it's not really a paint, but it kind of makes it look better. But it looks better on the outside. You could paint the fence with whitewash and it has termites on the inside. And guess what's going to happen to that fence? It's going to fall down. It may look good, but it's going to fall down. You see, sin is like termites in the fence. If we don't deal with it, we can look the most holy we are and put on the, the air and say, look, look at me, you know, look how holy I am. And yet that sin is going to erode our souls away. That's what he was telling to the Pharisees. He was saying to the Pharisees, you need to repent. And yet the Pharisees or the Sadducees says, no, we don't. We're perfect. <laughs> what arrogance. These are the religious people, right? Here we go. It says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that uh, out of these stones, God can raise up children of Abraham. What's he saying here? John is saying, just because you have this tradition from Father Abraham doesn't mean you're right with God. Just because you're not born into, uh, I'm sorry, let me rephrase that. Just because you're born into an evangelical church doesn't mean you're right with God. You understand? There's an uh, illustration that's been used many times. You know, For those of you who have a garage at home, you, could, you can go stand in your garage and that doesn't make you a car. Right? I saw a message one day from Charles Stanley, um, a sizable church in Atlanta. I actually visited that church when I was down there. And he came out. Remember the old computer paper? Uh, it was dot matrix, had the green and white lines and a perforation on the side. Well, he came out with uh, a pile of that about six inches thick. And he just laid it out on the platform. And he says, how many of you want to know what this is? And you know, everybody raised their hand. He says, these are the people who attend here who have not even been baptized yet, who have not made a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was very effective. John was doing the same thing here. It's not about rule keeping, it's about relationship. It's about relationship with the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. It's about falling in love with him because he loved you enough to go to the cross for you. And it's about taking his word seriously. And then he goes on. He says the ax is already at the root, meaning God is really, a, He's not happy, okay? It's at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. He says, I baptize you 
with water for repentance. But after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He's talking about Jesus, right? He will baptize you with who? Holy Spirit and fire. You know, John was just the, the way to prepare for people to receive the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Now listen, I really believe the church in, in, in North America is, uh, has been damaged by a lot of things, more than just COVID and, and, and all of that, but it's been damaged by a lot of things. Um, in the church, professing Christians have no problem with doing things their own way without the regard for God's way. Am I wrong? We've all done it. Well, here's what God says about marriage. Here's what God says about family. Here's what God says about integrity and honesty. Here's what God says about, I mean, the Bible speaks to all issues of life. My question is, do we even know what the Bible says? Remember the days when TV Guide used to get mailed to the house? And they used to sell it in the, uh, like the shop right or grocery store in the racks. And uh, back in those days, that was the only way you knew it was on television. Uh, you know, you, this was even before remotes. You actually had to get up out of the recliner and change the, ta uh, the channel, right? I'm not even going to comment on that. Anyhow, Louis Gallup, if I remember correctly, did a uh, um, survey years ago that the TV Guide was the most read book in this land. But the Bible is the best seller. Still is, but the least read. Allow me to be a little bit prophetic here today. I really believe God wants us to stop and get serious with him. I really believe that in this time of year, we need to seek God and say, okay, Lord, what is it in me, in you, that we need to deal with? What sin in our lives do we need to deal with? You see, it, it, it's nice to have a manger scene and to celebrate Christmas and to exchange gifts and Christmas cards. Nothing wrong with that. But the real meaning of Christmas is that Jesus came here into the mess of humanity because sin makes a mess because he loved us, still loves us, and he went in my place on the cross to pay my penalty for the sin by simple faith and repentance we can come to him you know I'm grateful for all of you being here this morning I really am because you know when we did the um, the Christmas Eve service last night and and the Christmas Day I was kind of concerned I was wondering who was going to come out maybe four or five people I'm not sure but thank you thank you for being here I, re I really mean that from the bottom of my heart but let me suggest to you that when we choose to stay away from church, when we could be there, we miss an opportunity to let God work in our hearts. We miss an opportunity to let other people bless us. I mean, I don't, I don't know if you could hear yourself singing this morning, but you were wonderful. That's blessing. That's blessing. And so I'm grateful for that. But in the United States of America, the average church attendance is once a month. So this is Christmas. <laughs> and I'm not going to sing John Lennon's song because I hate it. But uh, 
this is Christmas, and you always have to ask, I do this on Easter too, so what? What difference will it make in our lives? Ought it make a difference in our lives? I can tell you this, the greatest gift, the greatest gift by far is the gift of salvation through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the difference that it should make. And so, as the world continues to try to dismiss God and dismiss Jesus and bring its woke mentality into the church, and they're succeeding to some point, we need people like John the Baptist. We need people with Holy Spirit moral courage to proclaim the truth. Because here's the truth. You got to give both the bad news and then the good news. The bad news is sin condemns us to heaven, uh, to hell, I'm sorry. Sin condemns us to hell. That's the bad news, whether you believe it or not. And, you know, some people will say to me, well, that's your belief. No, it's not. I mean, it's in the Bible. But let me illustrate it. And please don't do this at home. But if I were to get on this roof and then walk to the end of it, believing that gravity didn't exist, I'd end up with a couple of broken legs and worse when I stepped off that roof. Just because you don't believe something doesn't mean it's not true. We believe it because God says it. We believe it because God says it. This is what Christmas is all about. When we start because we love the Lord, not because anybody tells us to, but because we love the Lord, when we start to follow his word under the power of the Holy Spirit, we'll receive blessings upon blessings. However, doesn't mean it's going to be easy. You know why? Because people are going to think you're just as crazy as John the Baptist. But I'd rather be crazy like John the Baptist than be destined for an eternity without God. How about you? Listen, John points us to our sin and our need for repentance and for belief in the person and work of Jesus Christ. He exposed the hypocrisy of legalistic religion. John introduces the savior of the world. He's the savior of the world. And John was a man of moral courage. We need people of moral courage today. People who will say that um, schools have no business teaching morals. Schools have no business teaching about this gender issue. This is what the home is for. Schools have no business telling parents they can't know what's going on or speak up. The government has no business telling you that they're your best friend. It's like, knock, 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 I'm from the IRS, I'm here to help you. Uh, no, you know, we respect our government, but God permits government to supposedly keep chaos from from reigning, but what men and women do in government when they go away from the precepts of God and the Judeo-Christian ethic, now you got a government who doesn't care about God. And it's on both sides of the aisle, by the way. You know, God's not Republican or Democrat. Neither is Jesus. But Jesus says the Father desires no one to perish, but that all would come to believe in Christ and have eternal life. Amen? So pray for, for people who are on the wrong path and pray that one day that God would soften their hearts and pray that when the time is appropriate and the time is right, that he would give each of us the moral courage to speak the truth in love to make a difference in this world for Jesus. Amen?
I'm going to ask Kristen to come back up. And Chip. <laughs> and Sharon. <laughs> Listen, we only have Sharon for about three more weeks. So uh, then she's going to be suffering for Jesus in Florida. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, enjoy her while she's here. We've been blessed to have musical people in the congregation to help us to worship. And what I'm going to do as a Christmas gift to these people, would you show your appreciation for the ministry that they do? Thank you. Thank you. Our leader. Our voice. I chose a, an old... I don't know if it's a spiritual. It's a spiritual, right? I, told, I chose an old spiritual to close the service with because I guarantee you, you go into the, uh, the, the mall or the stores tomorrow, the Christmas decorations are gone. They're gone. Valentine's is up, right? Not so with us. We're called to go tell it on the mountain. God has entrusted us with the greatest message in the world. And God has given to the world his greatest gift, the Lord Jesus Christ. Would you stand, please? With feeling. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. While shepherds kept their watching or silent fields by night, behold, throughout the heavens there shone a holy Tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. The shepherds feared and trembled when low above the earth rang out the That held the Savior's birth. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Down in a lonely manger. Christ was born, and God sent us salvation that blessed Christmas morn. Go tell it on the mountain, over the hills and everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain. That Jesus Christ is born. Woohoo! For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever should have faith in him will not perish but have eternal life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, this congregation who's gathered today, and thank you for our guests. Thank you that uh, these dear people took time out of their Christmas schedule to come and be with us. Bless them. Bless those who aren't able to be here, Father. And we ask that as you send us on our way, that the miracle of Christmas would never grow cold in our hearts. And help us, Holy Spirit, to be a light to be the light that points to Christ in this dark world. 
And Father, will give you all the glory. We pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Hey, that was good. As any good Italian would say, go mangia. All right. Have a Merry Christmas.